Blog Talk Radio. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's technically evening, but I'll take good night. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know, this is the world premiere of Beyond Words, and we are so excited to be here tonight to have this awesome conversation with Shanessa and Darrell, and I'm not going to keep it any longer, it's going to be controversial, compelling, insightful discussions on current events that provide real-world solutions. So I'm just going to let our hosts introduce themselves, and then we'll get into the show. And tonight's show is simply about unspoken words. So, Janessa, if you can introduce yourself, and then Darrell, take it from there and introduce yourself as well. Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Janessa White. I am a mother, wife, and a marketer. I'm a native Detroiter, but I live in Texas. I'm excited to be here to share my perspective on what's going on in our community. Darrell? Okay. Yes. I hail from the fourth largest city in the nation. Some people call it the energy capital of the world. Others say mention the fact that it was the first city mentioned in outer space, home of the largest medical <laughs> complex on the planet. <laughs> Yes, my friends, I am from the Houston, Texas. <laughs> okay, okay. I think he's a little proud of that, and I love it because <laughs> Houston is, you know, undoubtedly the, the greatest city in America, and I'm sure uh, Darrell will attest to that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a single, 33 years old, uh, born and raised here in Houston, uh, I'm learning to play the upright bass. I'm teaching myself to cook by watching YouTube videos, and uh, that pretty much sums me up. Okay. I'm sure we will have uh, quite a few conversations <laughs> regarding that background <laughs> alone, okay? So we wanted to tonight on Beyond Words talk about unspoken words in terms of the African-American male's response to what's happening right now, and it's all around us, COVID-19. And in particular, Chinesa wanted to have this discussion. So, Chinesa, we're going to just let this flow to you, and you and Darrell can, you know, just flow with the conversation. 
Sure. So first off, I want to just start by saying this is not um, intended to um, give the perception that I'm thinking that only African-American men are not adhering to social distancing, et cetera. But I wanted to have this discussion because I'm just in awe of some of the things that are happening around us. So my first question for you, Darrell, if you can help me, um, without question, we are seeing more prominent and influential African-American men lose their lives to this virus. Um, so why aren't African-American men taking it more seriously? So, I mean, me personally, you know, I'm blocking myself in the house. But what I will say is, as an African-American man living in America, always feeling like I have a target on my back, always feeling like I'm already ducking and dodging society itself. When you look at any measurable um, um, part of your life, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, uh, the black man is often targeted. So when you're often rummaging through the world feeling like prey, when something actually happens, you're already sort of in that mode, so you're not really as afraid as, say, someone who's never dealt with any yeah. kind of adversity. Yeah, that is a very interesting perspective because I didn't think of it in that way. I mean, I'm just looking at brothers out here playing basketball like it's a regular Saturday, and I'm, like, freaking out because of the things that they could take home to their significant others or their, you know, grandparents. Um, can you tell me more? Like, when you say when there's an actual threat, is it because now you're numb, you're, you're conditioned to always feeling threatened, so this is nothing new? Right. I, I, would, I would say when you're constantly, if you grew up eating ramen noodles and bologna sandwiches out of necessity, right, then when the recession hits, you're not as shook, I'll say, right? So we've always sort of had this way of dealing with the things that were thrown at us, even historically. If you look back to the days when we were probably in chains, right, like what was it that kept us going? We've sort of been conditioned to dealing with what's thrown at us and saying, you know what, it's coming anyway, Right, I'm gonna control the things I can, and then those that I can't, you know, world, give me what you got. I mean, that's not to say that it's excused, but it's to say to so their brother right now that's out doing a a two on two game at your local park. That's probably why, because this is what we've done every other time there was some pandemic. It's just interesting that now the pandemic hits the whole world. I mean, if you really want to be honest and you really want to look at the fact that when it comes to African-American men that are pulled over, charged with crimes, or dare I say it, shot and killed by police, when you look at what those statistics are, it's because as an African-American man, I'm automatically, I remember standing behind this lady in line at the ATM and she couldn't put a pin code in. We're trying to look at me and I'm like, ma'am, you just go ahead and get that done so I can get up there. So, so, so when, when you're constantly faced with that, it, it, you don't know what an emergency feels like when your alarm is always going. Okay. I, I guess I can bother a little bit, but then I'm seeing 
brothers passing out. I mean, when you start to see, um, even last week, we saw 13 prominent pastors and influential leaders in black communities who have fallen victim to this and who are now deceased. That doesn't change the perspective at all? Like, is that just like consequences? I'm just trying to understand that. I think it does, but at the same time, if we really wanted to be honest and we really wanted to say, okay, let's look back historically over the past 50, 100, 200 years, right? Or even if we wanted to say in recorded history and just go back 100 years, how many things are we finding out today that were actually one way that 50 years ago we were told were totally different? How many different FBI files are finally coming up for public release where you find out, oh, we that that's what that was about, right? So it's not to say that so you're we're skipping. totally ign- No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. It's not to say that no, we're totally ahead. ignoring you're it. Skipping. It's to say that there's always some skepticism. We're always given the side eye, like, you know what? When it actually hits home, then we'll deal with it, and we'll deal with it better than they can tell us how to deal with it. So we see it hit the NBA, we see it hit celebrities, we see it hit television personalities, we see it hit leaders of large mass churches and community leaders, very prominent leaders, even under the age, you know, not in, not even in the risk categories. So how can we just sit by and say, if it happens, it happens? I, I mean, I just can't, I can't figure out what to turn the alarm on. And, and I guess when Big Mama get it? Get, you say what now? <laughs> when Big Mama get it? I'm like, trying to understand. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll tell you what, when Obama life. get it, let me go knock on some wood. When Obama get it, then I'll be like, okay, this is real. But no, in all seriousness, again, it's not to excuse it, but it's to say for those that have skepticism, we can't say like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder why. Why aren't they trusting what the government's saying? Let's look at something else, right? They don't even know exactly how this is spread, right? We're not getting accurate information. It's constantly fluid, right? You know, we well, could I wouldn't say we don't know how it's spread. We just we can't see it and we can't recognize it. And there's incubation periods. I think we know that it's highly contagious. And for me, that's like checking box number one. Being married to an African American man who takes them very seriously. Um, and maybe just because he's a germaphobe, it's easier. But, I mean, we're just in awe of brothers just like, hey, I'm, I'm headed over there uh, after work. And I'm like, no, you're not, because you're not a part of my family. You need to stay at home. <laughs> like, how do, we, how do we get that message across? Because, again, people are dying. I just don't, I don't understand but, that. I, I, but let me throw I'm this trying to you. understand me... fight or flight. Let me let me throw this to you, right? Here we are told to self-quarantine, not to go to work, mm-hmm. not to gather in large groups, not to go to restaurants, right? But when I go to the grocery yep. store, when I go to the grocery store, I can't go right in. I have to stand in a line of 50 people before going mm-hmm. into the grocery store. You follow me? Yep. You, you you look at the so you White just think House your risk is, is your risk is just out there. So it's, it's why out live, live it's my out life because it's out there. It's, okay. It's it's out there, and so then because here's the thing: eventually you're going to end up going to the grocery store, or somebody from your cohort 
from your home, you know, is going to end up either going to the grocery store or getting groceries delivered. So the risk is there. And I think we give ourselves this false sense of security in a couple of different ways. Number one, when the government or those that are in power say, this is what you must do and this will fix it, we think that's it. Like that's, that's sure shot. Number two, when they give us these rules that, that have holes in them, I can't, I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to go to work, but I can go to the park. Right? But can you, though? Because what, what we've been asked to do is social distancing. So let me, let me take a step back. I, am, I have very limited faith in government and administration. What I ask mm-hmm. most people to place their faith in scientists and health professionals because mm-hmm. I know, for the most part, there is no intent to do harm and that I'm going to get factual information no matter how hurtful or how harmful it might be so that we know that if we don't do this social distancing or self-quarantine, we are going to be faced with overwhelming medical um, difficulties that we don't have a system that's built to hold that. Given that we are often the subjects of racism and poor care and poor treatment because of the color of our skin. Why are we, I, I just feel like we're making it easier for those medical systems not to provide the best care for us. So why are we going into that? I would argue that the risk is still there. Like, let's just say hypothetical, right? Hypothetically, you lock yourself in your house with the exception of going to the grocery store, going to get gas, and occasionally going, you know, just for a walk. Are, are you saying that over there you're not going for a walk once a week? Oh, I'm going for a walk every day with my family, and we are maintaining our distance from others. But, again, I'm not, suggest- I'm, I'm not suggesting you can't do that with your family, but – pick up basketball or gathering in the park for a barbecue with other people from different houses, et cetera, is not very smart right now. Okay. Or let me throw this to you. What would be the difference if there were, you know, four different, you know, or two different households that have been self-quarantining? Can they then no. connect? No, no. no one's coming over here. No, because we don't live together. And stop, listen, we don't live together. We are fighting a silent enemy. We don't know when people are being exposed, whether they are being exposed on a sensual run trip, or if they're being exposed because they are one of these unfortunate people who must work in this pandemic, um, where they don't have that luxury of you know the privilege to work from home. So we don't know that. Yeah, it's hard for everyone. It's a week two. My kid is about to kill me because he cannot see his friends. He is, like, dying. Zoom ain't working just for him. He wants to see his friends. But I have to think about our everyone's safety. I don't know what their activities are when they're not with me at that one point in time. I mean, just huh. look at Houston. You guys had a, a a husband and wife who had an anniversary party last Friday um, with eight people. They were like, hey, we were adhering to the gatherings of no more than 10 people, and now her husband is hospitalized. She can't see him. He's isolated. There's no one advocating for him. 
So I can see that we're not thinking about that until it actually happens to us physically. But then, but then again, I would argue that, and, and I'll tell you, last week was my first time. I left the house one time last week, and I told myself, I'm getting out of the house. I'm going for a walk. I live right next to a park. But the park that I live to, that I live next to, is Herman Park. It's in the medical center. So mm-hmm. I'm like 10 minutes into my walk, and I realize, oh my God, I'm going into the epicenter. I'm going into the air and around the metal and the plastic and the whatever where people go who have COVID, right? So, sure. wow, that, that's dangerous. I turned around and I came home. But then when I came home, I live in a building, right? There are only four elevators, right? And there are 30 floors, four elevators. A lot of my neighbors work at the medical center. And I, I, I say it jokingly to my friends all the time, I'm about to go and check the mail. I'm getting in that death box. You know, think of the mm-hmm. elevator. So <laughs> if I have to get in the elevator to check my mail, why can't I go play basketball with one of my friend, one of my friends who lives on this floor? It's all about. I think it's all about minimizing your risk. So there's risks you have to take. I don't know if checking the mail is one of them. You know, you might be expecting one, expecting something that's important. But getting food, shelter, you know, water, things of that nature, those are essentials. But hanging out for human contact, while we it's appreciated and we want it to happen, it's not an essential. And so I think I'm trying to see how can you minimize your risk because that pickup basketball game might expose you to 30 other different things, not just that one person. It may raise your risk 30 times because of that one person. So so let me so I'll ask you this: How long? So let's just say that over there. Uh, in your, you know, in your household, y'all have this lock tight system, right? That y'all have been holding down for what is it now? Two weeks. It's been two weeks. Yep. Okay. Now let's roll forward two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you going to hold it just like that all the way through? Do you think there's going to be any kind of a change once you get to a certain point and you realize there's there there, there will be zero there will be zero change here because here's why. I want to see my family again. I want to see my big mama again. I want to see my mother again, who is high risk. So I am going to follow the self-quarantine because I want this to be over sooner than later. All these pickup basketball games, all it's doing is raising the curve and creating even more days for us to be in this state. And if people don't see that, then that's crazy. So let me ask you this. Is the pickup game more or less risky than going to the grocery store? I believe the pickup game is more risky than going to the grocery store, and that is because there is more bodily fluids being transferred on this ball than it is. (laughs) Yes, there is more sweat. How do you get this virus? It is airborne. It is through droplets. So, yeah, it is more than me walking to a grocery store and picking up a package when 10 different guys are handling a ball and everybody's sweating and talking to one another. Okay. I'll also throw this other point into the fact that I don't think we really know how it's transferred because 
if you look at just over the course of this past month, like look at how it's changed. It went from, okay, no groups larger than 250 to like, okay, no groups larger than 10 to like, okay, just keep six feet. But you're buying into this theory that the social – let me just take a step back. Social distancing has nothing to do with how it's transferred. It has to do with flattening the curve so that our healthcare system does not collapse. It can be transferred through a handshake, through standing close. It can be transferred anytime. It's a respiratory illness. So it can be transferred very, very easily. The social distancing is all about slowing down the transmission, not stopping it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so – so... the... No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So if we're in this mode of I can't stop myself from getting it, you could be one of those unfortunate souls who get it, and there's not medical resources to help you get through it. So how do we communicate that to – Brothers who and, and and sisters, I'll I'll honestly tell you, I've seen more women talking about nail techs and hairstylists coming to their home <laughs> to do their hair and nails. That it drives me crazy because again, you're letting someone whom you don't know how many people they've been exposed to, how many clients she's had that day, how many homes she he or she has been in before they've gotten to you. You're bringing all that risk into your home. So that you can look good to go nowhere. Right. That's, that's... So, again, what, what do we do? Because you know this better than I do as a being a black man. Whenever, I could, whenever the world gets sick, they get a cold. African-American community, we get the flu. We get pneumonia when they get a cold. So when right. we look at this, how do we communicate that I know the struggle is real? I know that, hey, as a barber, you haven't cut hair in two weeks and things are extra tight. But how is that pickup game going to change that? It's only going to make it worse. Right. And I, and I think, I honestly think, as far as communicating to people, like, in general, the fact is it's way too complicated. I think we're talking about things like social distancing and, you know, all the other stuff. With you on that. Instead of saying, hey, go to the grocery store once a week and stay at the house, right? Like, yeah. and I also think that, I think that the media and the government are not being as transparent as I think they could be. Because mm-hmm. if you even look at, they just expanded this, this uh, you know, a mode that we're in through what is it May fourth I think or two more weeks basically up to to May fourth and so I'm looking on Facebook and I'm seeing you know everybody saying oh now the kids are going back on May fifth and I'm thinking to myself no they're not they're not going back to school like I wish they would just say that mm-hmm. ahead of time and I w- I wish that like if you really want people to get into emergency mode go ahead and start opening up the emergency food stamp system. Go ahead. Like, that puts people in the mode of, like, this is real. Mm-hmm. This has okay. been an exciting conversation so far. You guys <laughs> certainly have divergent opinions on what's happening in the world. We're going to take a really quick commercial break, and we're going to come back 
And Darrell is going to ask some questions of you, Janessa. So I hope you're ready. All right. For what's next. I am. <laughs> Great. We'll hold the line because we're going to go to a really quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with Beyond Words on your 15 Minutes Radio Network. Interested in advertising? Advertise today on the number one online radio network for entrepreneurs. Your 15 Minutes Radio Network. Contact us at advertise at your15minutesradio.com. We are back live here on your 15 Minutes Radio for the world premiere of Beyond Words with Chanessa White and Darrell Douglas. Now, Chanessa has been describing these pickup games. I'm not sure what's going on with the pickup games and the bodily fluids and all of that. So she she certainly has some strong views on that, and it's more than likely out of frustration but also out of care and love. I I think that African-American men sometimes don't understand or don't get the message if we look at the media in, in general, that we do need you and that we do want you and that we do mm-hmm. love you. So some of these thoughts or frustrations can be out of the sheer love for the African-American male. And so when when you hear us with the frustration and saying, but it's a pickup game, it's a pickup game, what we're really saying is we love you and we need you mm-hmm. and we want you here for generations and the next generation and the next generation. Um, so now we're going to have Darrell. I know you have some questions as well for Chanessa. So go ahead, Darrell. Absolutely. So my first question, are men more influential at home? And when I say at home, I don't mean like literally in your household, but kind of like in your family. Would you say that men are more or less influential especially in times like this, and why? Um, I think men are definitely more influential. Um, in my household and most, we are, you know, we both are college educated. We're both professionals. But when you marry someone and, you know, men are the head of the household, so they're very influential in guiding what happens in the household. Now, if we decide, if he decide we're going to do something stupid, that's different. So I have to voice my concern there, but yes, they are. I also would argue that men are men are influential through many households. When you look at people following the guidance of their pastors or their faith leaders or even politicians, for that matter, you see more people who are willing to accept directives from men leaders than they are from women leaders. So so then I'll extend onto that and I'll say, let's just say that your husband comes home two weeks from now and says, I've had enough. We're going to loosen up a little bit. I think it's okay. Let the kids go outside. It's been a month. They can play only with the with the children on this street. And he laid this out. Of course, you would say no, but what would that probably look like? You know, it, I would say no, um, but I would provide facts for why I'm saying no. I would have him look at the daily growth that we're seeing in our community of 
cases that are asymptomatic. I think that my husband understands more so, and he's probably a bigger proponent of self-quarantine than I am. When I make a store run, he is so, you know, diligent in saying, make sure you don't talk to anybody. And who'd you run into? And as soon as I walk through the door, wash your hands. So I don't think that would happen. But let's say if it did, we would have to have a very strong discussion about it. And I'll be honest, I'm going to win that discussion because I am looking out for the best interest of our health and wellness and not just the, the mental health moment where I've just got to get outside. We have to find yeah. outlets for that. Right, right. And so, like, what what outlets, what are you doing to stay sane, you know, being that this sure. is going on? Sure. So we are taking daily walks as a family. We have two two dogs. Our dogs are sure crazy because they can't get out either. So we do go on family you walks. You're not letting the dogs out either? No, we're letting the dogs out. But, you know, dogs <laughs> oh, have to go to, like, man. the dog parks. The dog parks are closed. So they can't run as freely. You know, I live in da- like outside of Dallas. The backyard is not that big here. It's a decent sized yard, but it is nothing like most places. So we do get out on family walks. We do plan what are we going to watch on television together. We play board games. We do have a routine. So we're not. It's not like Vegas over here where we don't know what time of day it is. We're eating everything and losing money and all that. It's not that. No. So we have a set routine. And that's what I would tell everybody else to do. Have a set routine. So essentially what you're telling help you get through it. What you're telling everybody is y'all are the family from Family Matters, pretty much. Y'all are the winners. Oh, no. We have. No. Not at all. I mean, when this first started, my husband was all about hoarding, and I'm not a hoarder. I refuse to do it. I'm not going looking for toilet paper or none of that. I'm not doing any of that. I know the Lord will provide eventually. I'll figure it out. But I'm not about to be one of those, you know, end of days preparers. So, yeah, when this first started, it wasn't real to us. It was, you know, wash your hands, keep your distance. But then when stuff got real, when our employers were like, well, work from home until June 1, before anybody was talking about June 1, it was like, oh, wow, they know something we don't know, and this is more serious than we thought it was. Mm. So there has to be a shift in that mentality. And I know that's going to be hard for people who are still working every day as an essential employee. I get it. But you've got to find that balance where you just can't let your kids go and do whatever. Like I saw a bunch of kids hanging out today in the park, and I'm just like, what are you doing you don't know where all these kids have been and how that's getting back to you. Wow. Wow. So that, I'm not going to say I'm perfect in this. Last night, I wanted to go somewhere so bad. Let's just be honest. I wanted to go. I just made to take a drive in my car. And I did because you will go crazy sitting indoors all day. I called friends I hadn't talked to in a while. You could do that. Get on social media, talk to a bunch, talk to friends, watch something stupid on Netflix and laugh about it. You have to find outlets, but don't put yourself at risk for that few minutes of high fives and good conversation. Next thing you know, you're in a hospital system that really isn't prepared for you. That's not good. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it's you, your family, y'all are sitting at home doing that. How long do you think? realistically this 
people will hold out before some of the things loosen in your household. Uh, I'm gonna let I'm, I'm gonna let other people the test year. out the test out the limits before I do. So let's say in Texas, we're both in Texas, and we're hearing this May first, May fourth, kids are going back to school and whatever, right? We're we're gonna right. see the evening of these of these stay at home orders. Um, I'm gonna let other people ease into that. I'm not gonna head to the movie theater or Urban Air that same day because again. I feel like there has, until there is a complete shutdown of the state by the governor and not this local government making decisions while other local governments aren't making decisions, it puts us back into hotbeds and hotspots mode. So in 30 days, I'm going to ease back into it. That means I'm probably going to go grocery shopping twice. We're probably going to go to a mall. But we're not going to go, oh, whatever we were doing on March 1st, we're about to start doing all of that on May 1st. Wow. Do you remember the last, and I guess I know we're probably coming up to the end of it, do you remember the last outing that you had before all of this? Where did y'all go and what did you do? (laughs) So we were at Urban Air, which is a trampoline park, which my son, trampoline and some other physical activities, which my son loves, which is a hotbed for germs. We have been there five times that week because he was on spring break. So um, that was the last thing we did. Um, And that same day we went to a local movie theater and we saw Invisible Man. So those were the last two things that we did. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you got it. You got all that out of you already. And so now y'all are just ready to hunker down. Yeah, it's not something I want to do because, again, I I had lunch dates planned with friends. There's girls' night out. There's a whole bunch of things I'm missing. My brother's birthday, we had a big party planned for that. There's a lot in April that I'm going to miss. But I will tell you, missing all that so I can be with them later in the summer or see my friends not lose their fathers, their brothers, or even their sisters, it's worth it to me. This moment of boredom and trying not to gain 10 pounds while we in quarantine, those are the two things that will keep us going through this. Like, we have to get through it. We will get through it. So so what are you doing to make sure that that doesn't happen, other than the walk? So, like, do you have, like, a system yeah, going? Yeah, I'm doing or? routine. Yeah, it's, like, about, you know, Again, keeping your meals the way that you normally would have meals, not snacking all day. You know, setting those boundaries, using your in-school stomach, okay? Using your work <laughs> You don't eat all day when you're at work. You don't eat all day when you're at home. Doing those things. But also dress, getting dressed every day. I don't wear business attire every day. But I put on clothes every day. I do not live in my PJs or yoga pants all week because guess what? That Those things will have you thinking that your life is all good until you put on some dress flats and you have a problem. <laughs> so get dressed the way you normally do. Flat on your hair, brush your teeth, do the things you normally do to keep your routine and to keep your sanity. Otherwise, it is going to feel like an endless cycle of bad news, bad news, bad news, and here I am again another day stuck in this house. I can't think. I'm, I'm just frozen. 
we have to not let that happen. Are you watching? Are y'all watching? Janessa and Darrell, one of the reasons that we wanted to have this show is because you guys are excellent at providing real world solutions. And with Beyond Words and Unspoken Words, in particular, this episode focusing on the African American male response to COVID, uh, you guys talked about mental health earlier. What I want you to do before we end the show is tell us some real-world solutions because the mental portion of this is going to be difficult for a lot of people. And in our community in particular, uh, mental health is sometimes, you know, not uh, prioritized. Say it, something mm-hmm. like that. So what are some real-world things that people can do to kind of make sure that they're being um, proactive in their mental health? What are some things that you guys are doing to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, being, um, you're being not only safe as far as the, the six feet and the distance and all of that, but the different things that people can do now, that they can go out, and again, this is specific to um, the topic of African-American men and their response to it. What are some of the things that they can do uh, to get beyond this uh, 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 crutch, or not crutch, but the thing that stops them from seeking mental health? Sure. Well, I think a couple of things I think to help us all maintain our sanity, especially for African-American men, I would definitely say have a routine, like have a way of how you're adapting not just allowing the day to meander on, but think about how to maintain the routines you can um, and how you can shift your mindset to allow you to do those things you want to do in self-quarantine. Um, you know, play play basketball through, the, what is it, the Xbox and the Wii games and all of this. <laughs> Some of y'all are better at that anyway than on the court. So do those things. You know, pick up some of the – other habits that you used to have and hobbies that you used to have that you no longer have time for, I would say that can help with your mental health. Um, Connect with friends. Connect with family, um, whether it's Zoom or whether it's social media, texting, calling. Do those things to really connect to people so you can understand why you're doing what you're doing. And if you do need mental health, you ask for it. Get it because guess what, losing you to suicide and nervous breakdowns and things like that, we're not looking for that. We want you to be here whole when this is over. That, those are the things I would advise any men or women to do. Absolutely. And, and for me, what's interesting is I've worked from home for years. So I live alone, I work from home, so it's kind of like I'm looking at the rest of the world like, hey, welcome to my world. You know, the the difference for me is Mm -hmm. now those few times that I would go out for, like, social stuff, which was usually, like, work-related anyway, um, you know, like, that's eliminated. But I kind of set in a system where working from home, I would advise don't, don't work all over your house. Because if you think about when you mm-hmm. were working out and, you know, out at, in an office, and then when you come home and you across that threshold, cross that, whatever it's called, the door jam and shut the door, there was peace and serenity in the energy of your home, right? You needed that kind of, ah, 
Excel. Well, now you're working from home. You don't get that. So I would advise finding if it's the one seat in the dining room, right, where you do your work right there that separates it from the rest of your house. And mm-hmm. even if you're going to split up your day because now that you're working from home, you're likely not – you're going to work in chunks, right? So you'll do two hours of work here. Feel free to watch a Netflix video or this or that and then hop back into your work. If you remember when you were in, in you know, high school or college and you were writing that paper – if you force yourself to sit down for six hours and get it done, the end of that paper is going to be horrible, right? So you need time mm-hmm. to refresh, to step away from your work and to step back into it. And then I'll say, you know, the first couple of weeks for me have been like, whoa, because I had a routine. I'll wake up every morning, go downstairs, get some coffee, and I'm a new coffee drinker. So if you're listening and you're a coffee drinker, you already know where I'm coming from. I just started maybe <laughs> last year. So this was like the first two weeks. I would say after a week passed, I was like, wait a minute, something's not going. What? What is it? Really the first day. But like a weekend, I was like, okay, I got on Amazon. I ordered me a little coffee maker. And so it arrived. I had coffee this morning. I'm like, okay. Now we're back in it. I'm, I'm, I'm back in my Muhammad Ali, you know, bobbing and weaving uh, through the day. Um, so I would say those <laughs> Those are things <laughs> those are things that are that are working for me. And then I'll say lastly, to make sure that you get your heart rate up and that you do some kind of like working out, uh, a good cardio mm-hmm. feels like a shower for my insides. And so I'm not one of those people that can like do the other stuff. Like I really like the elliptical. So, you know, I got me a really cheap elliptical and it's it's standing right next to me now and I'm still bringing that into my day, and that kind of helps me keep everything leveled. And then the very, very last thing, even though I said the last thing was the last thing, um, (laughs) I am talking to a therapist next week. I set an appointment, interestingly enough, before this even started, and her first opening was going to be next week. Um, Lisa Jean Jennings, I think is her last name, but she's highly acclaimed, and I was like, I want to be in her rotation. So we'll see. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the words that you guys have um, really, the discussion that you guys have had today. I think that you provided real-world solutions for um, African-American men and beyond, you know, to really make sure that the mental health is taken care of, make sure that we're being safe and understanding that you are loved and you are needed and you are wanted. Um, so do you guys have any closing words before we, um, before we go for tonight? I would just like to say in closing that, yes, I love black men. I want black men to thrive in any and every way possible. So I do take it very seriously when I see these things happening because my son is a part of the future of black men, and I just want to know, everyone to know, that every criticism, every worry that I have is really born out of love and the need for us to have brothers on the other side of this. Absolutely. And and I'll say, you know, when it comes to, you know, all the critiques that were given, I think they were valid, and I think they all came from a place of love. If you have a brother, a cousin, a husband, an uncle, a grandpa who is out there uh, doing these pickup games, 
um, figure out a loving way to explain it to them um, and, and break it down in, in common sense, layman's terms, um, help to think through alternatives, because I'm pretty sure a lot of them are doing it because th- that's the way that they get their mind off of stuff. So let's, mm-hmm. you know, think outside the box, come up with other ways to get that same result, um, and, yeah, we'll make it through this. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of Beyond Words the premiere on your 15 Minutes Radio Network, and we will see you next week.